In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, Mr. Kevin Notstein. Hello, Carla. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you, sir. This is really going to be a fun podcast. And as you guys have, may have known, uh, Kevin has been on the podcast a couple times before. Kevin is one of our co-founders at the People Catalyst, and he is a prover shaker. That means he is a mainly a prover, but he has a, a little bit of a secondary shaker in his core nature of work. And Kevin spent 21 years as an officer um, in the military, specifically in the Air Force and currently uh, still teaches some special ops air crew in the same mission that he flew in Afghanistan and Iraq. So he's also been an instructor pilot. So although he's a master trainer with the People Catalyst, he is, I'll tell you, training somebody on a combat mission that basically this mission is like to find the bad guys and tell the good guys where they are. So like the Bin Laden raids where they have what they call the stack all the way from the what they call the MC-12 to the top, to the boots on the ground. And there could be many different uh, aircraft. And then they get there early and they do a whole bunch of secret stuff that I have no idea, but I know that it's pretty intense. And they have <laughs> some of the best training ever. And a lot of times when we take a look at training, uh, who's the best at training? The military is amazing. Their job, uh, Kevin's job for years and years, was to go to work and train. And they simulate training over and over again. Because, you know, in business, most of the time, I would venture to say, you know, it's not life or death. <laughs> you guys have to figure <laughs> out how to make sure people don't die. Um, and, and that also that, you know, mistakes are going to happen. And when they do, they're really, really significant in Kevin's line, his line of work. So a lot of times we like to take a look at the military's training because it is so good and then apply that to business and what we're going to talk about here today is how to lead like a boss and so there are what was the actual military name i well where, where we're pulling this from is a thing called crew resource management but this particular section of it what the, the military title for this is aircraft commander authority power bases so yeah, that's say that long three answer. times fast. <laughs> We're just going with how to lead like a boss. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And there are seven sources of this authority. Yes, definitely. And, and there are uh, there's parallels between how we teach this in the military and what happens in the civilian world, as you're going to see throughout the day here uh, throughout this podcast. So the first one we're just going to talk about is a very obvious part of authority. And what this is, is where your authority comes from as a leader or as a, as a boss. The training we do in the military, this is as an aircraft commander, as somebody that's leading a crew to go and accomplish a mission. But, uh, and whenever you have that crew, you're going to have several people, uh, depending upon the size of your crew, it can be anything from two up to, I've, I've seen some aircraft that have a crew of 70. So it can, uh, in one aircraft at one time, you have one person that's in control of that. Well, that one person that's in control of it in the military, it's very obvious. When we set those crew orders, we identify the leader. And they, we, on the actual orders, they have a little place for codes, and they put the A code next to that leader. And that A code says, okay, for this sortie, 
this is the person who is the commander, the aircraft commander up there. And there's a lot of power in that word commander because in the military, it's actually legal. Uh, it's your legal authority of it. But once you have that A code, once you have that legal authority, uh, well, what we refer to, that is legitimate authority. And the legitimate authority. So now let me just say this. Now we're going into the first of the seven steps, right? Is that where you're yes. leading this here? Okay, yep. just wanted to confirm. I'm I'm trying to soak it all in and and, and <laughs> also learn as we go because I think this is not only amazing and fantastic, but authority is a very important thing in business and of course in military it's even more critical. Um, and so so go ahead, Kevin, tell us about yeah, this legitimate authority. And, and you know you're exactly right. As a prover, I do like to jump into the details very quickly. So thank you for putting <laughs> that construct on that context for it. Well, this is like second nature for you. You've been <laughs> utilizing crew resource management for the better part of 25 years. So it would make sense that what is easy and 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 just you can flow through for you um, is definitely and it is details. My goodness, I've never seen training in such detail. It's, it's incredible in the military. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're pushing papers or flying an aircraft. There's a lot of rules to follow. <laughs> oh yes, very much so. But yeah, you're right. And 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 just a little bit more context on this. We're going to talk about these seven sources of your authority. They. That uh, Carla had mentioned. Uh, now you flow in and out of these different sources of authority, and we'll probably talk about this at the end just a little bit more. But there are these different ways that you have authority. But as a good leader, you have to understand that your leadership ability comes from all of these, and it, there are different times where each one is a good tool to use as part of your toolkit. And they can be overused and underused. Yes on both of them. So yeah, thank you. So that puts it a lot more in context of what you're talking about. Now of those seven, that first one, as we started to mention, is that legitimate authority. And that is the authority, that is when your power is based on the position held by the leader. That's when it comes in and it tells you that, okay, this person, uh, they write the check or they're the ones that are identified as the boss. So they have that position of authority. So when they speak, somebody's going to listen to them. They're going to have that influence over their team by the fact that they are the identified leader. Interesting. You know what this makes me think of? What's that? Every meeting that a CEO walks into and derails everything, <laughs> which we've actually happened to have that happen to us in the beginning of training so many times that we had to come up with these 10 rules to follow. And, and, and the agenda doesn't even get derailed with the CEO. They have to trust the process as well. And Kevin, you'll appreciate this. This was with a, a, a military group and um, they were working with the government. They're contracted with the government, but there's very, 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 you know, high authority, big kind of ego group of people. Uh, and they have us sit down and kind of strategize how they're going to deliver a pay cut of a third of all of their pay um, and still keep the entire team intact. And so, of course, you know, the leadership just wanted to walk in and say, here you go. We're going to cut your pay by a third. Good luck. How's that going to work out? <laughs> right. And so we're like, yeah. no, there's a better way to do this. Let them solve their own problem. And so definitely legitimate authority is important. I would venture to say in the military, it's really important. Uh, but then also the balance of that is to say that just because you have the authority, you have to think about how you're delivering different things at different times in different ways. I mean, you know, there's only one answer to this problem, but if you walk in and you've already solved it because you're put in authority there and you just tell somebody instead of utilizing the team to come about certain answers, 
that it just can go both ways on these things, right? So you can underuse it and overuse it. And I think it's that balance of the two and knowing when to use it that, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, definitely. And it's easy to see, you know, as a parent as well, when you have your child doing something, you know, how many times have we heard, well, uh, go and do this. And the kid says, why? Because I'm the parent. I said so. Well, you just practice. <laughs> I hated that authority. one as a child. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, right? And your parent does need that authority at the same time. Uh, you know, you have to balance the two out for sure. Okay, let's move yes. on to the next one. I'm excited. Okay, uh, next one. A good one here is uh, your expert authority. And this is the fact that you can have influence over a group of people by the fact that you are the expert in any given area, your skill or your knowledge. When you know something better than anybody else in the room, that now gives you that respect and that authority and that power base to be able to influence your team. Yeah. And this is a lot of uh, training companies are built on, you know, what somebody knows about a certain problem and how to solve it. So for you sure, know, that's when you, when you talk about the training companies, that really does highlight the fact that, you know, as a leader, if you don't have the expertise in an area, well, where can you get it from? Well, uh, you can bring in somebody else to help out if you don't have that expert uh, power, if you don't have that, uh, that authority with a team. But the fact that you bring them in, uh, it, that's a great uh, way of exercising your expert authority. You, it could also be you acknowledging the fact of your lack of expertise. Yeah, that's a good point. Both ways on both on all of these, it seems so far. All right, what's the next one? Okay, next one is information authority. Okay, you can also have influence just the fact that you are in possession of or you have access to some information that everybody else perceives uh, as something of value. You know, if you know something that's going on, if you know something that's happening in your culture or something that's happening with your company, or if you're in touch with, uh, with the right people, have the right information, uh, other people will acknowledge you as a higher authority figure just because of the fact that you do have that piece of information and they would like to be able to have access to your information sources. Yeah, so you know what's going on in the company, you know, where all, all the, uh, the, uh, movement where, where are we going buried. say that I, I was gonna say that and i thought should i say that <laughs> so, yeah that's kind of true though right because you're balancing you know for instance when we were working with mid-market companies and building them up um and to sell one of the biggest things here was in it's how actually i met alan and you would go into this company and they're like, why are you here? Well, you can't deliver to them, hey, we're here to build this company up to sell in a couple of years because, hello, they're going to wonder if they're going to have a job next week, right? Which the, the goal almost never was to reduce the amount of people that were in the company. But what happens is, is then now as the leader and the trainer, the person walking into it, you actually do have a lot of quote unquote information authority instantly, even though then you have to balance it out with some of these other ones you talked about, expert authority. Uh, we'll probably get to other ones as far as like building a relationship because, because that's why we would then run the process to figure out who was on the team and what pieces of work they could do in order to build this company up. But it was interesting because I never thought about information authority because now all of a sudden they're like, oh, they're sitting down with the leadership and they're not in the company per se. And that really did lend a lot of authority to like, who is this person that they brought in, not only expert, but information, like you're the one who knows what's going on around this place. Interesting. 
Yes, definitely. And uh, and then the next one on this one, now, now the military, they like to call this one referent authority. I don't like that name at all. Uh, I think a better name for this is really influence. You have your influence authority. And what that refers to is just the fact, uh, your personality traits. Are you a likable kind of person? Do you pass the beer test? And you know what? That's going to be Whoever came up with that the beer test, I think that was Dennis. <laughs> Are we, I guess we're assuming everybody knows what the beer test is. What, what, so what's the beer test? The beer test is do I want to have a drink on Friday with you after work? <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple. And you know what? If it's somebody that you can get along with, that is a source of authority that you can have. And, and I've, got, I've got a really good story on this, just kind of showing a le uh, leadership one if we got the time for it. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, I, I was at an organization, this is overseas, and it was part of the military course, uh, since it's a major part of my background, and we had a real culture problem at, our, at this one base I was, uh, uh, where I was stationed, and it, it came from just the mindset of the senior leaders the, that were practicing their legitimate authority, and these senior leaders that, um, for lack of a better term, it could be called a bit of an elitist and somebody that he did not pass the beer test. In fact, he was very stringent in the fact of told all of the leaders right beneath him that they will not hang out or have a beer with the uh, lower ranking people because that promoted fraternization and fraternization is wrong. <laughs> and that was their mindset. So, uh, and in this environment, uh, we, we got to the point where we're having monthly meetings. They're like, you know what? We, we have a culture problem, so let's have a meeting once a month and bring everybody in, and let's talk about stuff that might be nice, and that's going to help our culture. <laughs> now, what's really funny is how they conducted this meeting. The senior leader, the, the colonel that was in charge of the whole base, so several thousand people under this guy, equivalent of a CEO of a very large corporation, would hold this meeting once a month with all the officers. So you have, uh, you know, the, the 10% of the people, the officers or the, or the leadership of the whole base and bring them all together. And they'd all be in the room and they had it at the officer's club at a, at a, a ballroom right next to the officer's club. So it's next to the bar. And the first thing they would do is everybody's in the room waiting for the senior leader to walk in. And when he walked in, it was a standard military type thing where he would come in the same door and he'd open the door and somebody would call the room to attention and everybody would pop to attention and standing there nice and rigid and looking straight ahead. And then he would walk from the back of the room all the way up the center aisle through the crowd and wait until he was all the way at the front of the room. And then he would tell everybody, take your seats. And everybody would take a seat. Okay. And then they would go into thing and somebody would try and do something funny or whatever the presentation for the month was. And, but just right there, the beginning of it was just a culture crusher. And then when the meeting ended and it ended and they would schedule them on Friday afternoons, it'd end at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon at the officer's club. Yeah. Because, 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 you know, because you put the meeting on Friday, then it makes it fun and we can solve a culture issue. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and what happened as soon as the meeting's done at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon with everybody at the officer's club, they would scurry like rats fleeing a sinking ship. <laughs> That's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Five minutes, at, uh, five minutes after the meeting was done, the place was a ghost town, and the couple hundred people that were there are now disappeared. Nobody wanted to hang out. Nobody wanted to do anything. And their in, intent of trying to work on the culture, they actually hurt their initial intent with that. Well, the reason I tell that one, that's the negative ass part, but we had a good leader in there, the, a new vice wing commander, the another, number two guy that came in. Um, without giving his name, to, uh, it, it went by PJ. We'll call him PJ. Well, this one on one of these meetings, the senior leader, the colonel that set all this up, 
wasn't there. He wasn't going to be there that day. He was traveling and PJ was going to be the senior leader on this particular meeting. So everybody's in the room, they're waiting for the normal thing, and they've got somebody stationed by the back door. So as soon as PJ would walk in the door, they would call the room to attention and everything. Well, PJ knew a little bit more about culture and, and had an understanding. And he snuck in through a different door. So you have the, you know, like the, it'd be like your COO sneaking in through an entirely different door. And he comes in, sneaks in, puts his head around the corner, and he yells out to the room, hey, we're going to get started in about five minutes here. But before we get started, I'm going to go to the bar and grab a beer. And if anybody wants to join me, you're welcome to. <laughs> the only difference, I'm, I'm not sure that you would probably want to serve, serve beer at a meeting uh, that was on the <laughs> clock in the private sector. It's one of the cool things about the military, though. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a Friday afternoon, and, and, and look at how many times when you go to a conference or something, and how, much, how many times you have alcohol there at the conference. So, yep, yep. Is, so, tell me, so tell me then, how did everybody react? Oh, this was the funny part. All the younger guys, the, the lieutenants and the captains, all the young guys are like, oh, oh, hmm, we can do that. All right, sounds like a good idea. And they, and they headed over, and they go walk into the bar. This is good. All of the, the, the more senior uh, folk that had been around for a year or two and had seen the culture we're looking at each other confused, like, what, what, can we do that? Is this a trick? Is this a trap? Are you, uh, what, what's going on here? I'm not sure if we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that was fun. He sounds like fun. I'd love to oh, meet he him. Was, he was a great guy, just an outstanding individual, just a really good power, uh, uh, leader. And he understood the influence and the, uh, that influence authority that you have on an organization and everybody respected him for it. Yeah. Just somebody that you like, that's likable, that uh, wants to get things done, but not trip over themselves along the way. And that truly was the definition of the beer test with him. <laughs> cool. Okay. What's next? Okay. Next one is uh, coercive power. Now, this is one that normally we can associate this with the negative parts of the coercive power. It's, it's your ability to, or coercive authority, it's your ability to influence people because uh, you can punish them. You, know, you can give them some type of punishment. Uh, that, yeah, like fire them. Yeah, you could fire them or give them a bad review that, or, um, or just something. Right, exactly. All those type of things. And uh, I, I kind of like to liken this one. I, it is a power that as a leader that sometimes, you, unfortunately, you have to use. Now, I, I, I like to liken this one um, to a flying analogy. When you're flying an airplane and you're coming in and you're trying to find a runway and you're in the weather so you can't see the ground and you have instruments that are telling you where to go. Well, you want to be on a specific track. You want to be on, on course on glide path is what we call it. And that's left and right and up and down and the right speed and everything as you're coming in to find the runway so that you can land safely when you pop out of the weather. Now, if you get a little bit off course, you want to hear a somebody saying, hey, you're a little bit off course. You need, to, you need to get back on the right course here. And then if you get a little further off course, hey, you're well off course. You need to correct this much back over. Now, then the ultimate, you know, the course of power on this is, hey, you're well right of course. You're too far. I've got the airplane. I'm going to take it away from you, and, I'm going to and we're going to go around and try this again. So, mm -hmm. yep. and that, and that's that. Uh, I can see uh, how that would be really important to understand and balance that one. It's like, you don't want to be, they have to learn, right? Especially if it's in an instructor situation. 
at the same time, so you have to let them get a little off path, but then, you know, when it's dangerous, there's, you, you can't, you, you have to step in then. Yes. But it's the same thing in business. In business, you, you know, if somebody is not performing where you want them to be and your other sources of power are not influencing them to be able to accomplish what you want done, then sometimes you do need to use the stick and the carrot and stick approach of leadership. Mm -hmm. Got it. All right. What's the next one? Well, the next one is the carrot. It's actually <laughs> first we went the stick, now the carrot. <laughs> yeah, the, the carrot. And that's your reward authority. And by having the ability to reward somebody with, you know, it's the opposite of the coercive. You can reward them with promotions. You can reward, reward them with bonuses. If you have that ability to provide a reward for somebody. Yeah, even recognition is a good one there. Yes. Yes, very much so. Because as a leader, really recognizing, and you know, in, in learning the hoodoo method and all the different types of work that we do with companies, so many times, ugh, and I'm really, really, really guilty of this, um, because I am a uber mover and I am a DI in a, uh, internally and an ID externally when I'm working with customers. So you can leave dead bodies behind you, right? Just in all sometimes people need is to be recognized for what they're great at. It's, you know, in every, for whatever reason in society, we focus on what's negative and what's bad about, you know, for instance, a shaker, I could tell you 10 words. We call them that are negative words. We, and the only positive word I've ever heard is shaker, right? Because what do we call them? Squirrel. You know, in the military, it's chief idea fairy. Uh, and we call them, gosh, your head's always in the clouds. You know, you're, and so what happens is, is that we're focusing on when somebody isn't, instead of just recognizing them for what they are, people will, you know, if you can tap into that and identify what they're great at and bring that reward piece out, they will actually take that overpay. I, I can't remember what the stats are. Uh, it's been a long time since I looked at it, but especially the younger generation, the millennials. Oh, we could have a whole conversation on that. So, you know, you start talking Maslow's needs hierarchy. And if somebody has already met their security needs or their, or their safety needs, and they're looking for those higher levels of acknowledgement, then yes, the, um, it's, there's a lot of ways that you can reward somebody. Yeah, very cool stuff. I love that one. All right, what's next? And the, uh, well, the next one is actually another way that you can reward somebody, but it's a very specific kind of thing. And we like to call this connection authority. And what, what that is, is... Ooh, I think you, I like that one. <laughs> oh, you're definitely going to like this one. This is, uh, you have this one in spades, and I'm going to tell somebody uh, about your ability on this. Now, what this one is, is you, uh, by the connections that you have, you have authority uh, with a group of people, if they perceive those connections as power for them, if they want access to your friends, you know certain people and they want to know those people, well, by knowing you, uh, they can do that. You can be a channel. You know, in LinkedIn, they practice this. Oh, are you a first connection or a second connection with somebody? And it tells you, oh, I'm connected to this person and this, uh, you know, if you look somebody up on LinkedIn, it'll say, ah, oh, you have 11 mutual friends. Ah, if you want to know that second uh, level person, then you look at one of those connections between the two of you. You say, all right, I want to work with this person. And that gives you that, uh, that connection authority in a group of people. Good stuff. I love that one. And by the way, a friend of mine, uh, I don't need to do this, Jesus Louise, uh, connection authority, but she wrote the book, <laughs> How to Be a Power Connector, and it ended up being a bestseller. And she's fantastic. Her name is Judy Robinette. If you want to read a great book on connection authority, 
she was an introvert and learned this later on in life and has just gone on to crush it. Her new book uh, is uh, um, Cracking the Funding Code, too, because she's worked with a lot of startups, raised capital uh, for those startups. So again, How to Be a Power Connector, great book if you want to uh, discuss connection authority. I think we could do an entire podcast on just that authority. Maybe we'll, we will take a look at these and see how we could break them down to give different pieces and points of, you know, how to balance yourself through that because connection authority is, is absolutely one of the most powerful and probably the easiest one of these, which is, Hey, well, I just took the time. Easiest for you. <laughs> Say that again. No, the easiest for you. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, that's so. And then I'm going to send you to another book by Matthew Pollard, which is Introverts Edge. And he talks how about introverts thinking that they can't sell because they're introverted. And he says, use a process. And that's exactly what Judy's book is a process for connection, which I think you're right. For me, it's second nature, right? So it's easy and it happens. And my goodness, I just did it on accident right I've now. Got I've uh, got talking to tell, about it, right? I've got to tell a little story uh, with you just to really bring this in. And, and this can be a teaser to because uh, we can deep dive into any of these subjects. And I know you really would love to deep dive into this one. But I'm going to tell just a, a, just a surface story, just a teaser on this about you. Okay, okay? great. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The, uh, well, just a little background on when this story happened. You know, I, I was in the military for 21 years, and in my last two years, I was I, I was training people in this new mission in the Air Force, this new aircraft, and we had 16 new students in a three or four month syllabus. 16 new students every Monday for two years. Wow. And That's we were, a lot yes. for what you guys go through. I mean, this the amount of training, guys, that they go through to be an aircraft commander, let alone, and, and Kevin's an instructor as well. So he instructs all the other air crew on what to do. It's, it's intense. Well, a big lesson that I learned from those two years, now we brought people from all across the Air Force. And, and just to show an example, it's very different if you have somebody that's flying a cargo plane or an aerial refueler versus somebody that's flying an F-35 or F-22 fighter plane. Those are very different mindsets and that have been trained in different ways. And we had students from every platform across the military that would come together. And then we'd try to get them to fly as a team on this one new uh, aircraft. And I learned one of the most important things that every time I would sit down with a group of students or, or, or have a meeting with people, the most important part of that meeting was the introductions. And in that introduction mm. of learning their background and learning who they are. Now, uh, we're gonna tie this into that connection authority. Now, I'd been doing that for a couple of years and then I met Carla and I ended up going to a meeting with, with Carla and she started it off. We had a couple of good friends of ours, um, we had, uh, Adam Furling and Jim Pelly and myself and some others sitting around the table and we'd never met before. But Carla was sitting there and she was the glue that brought us together being the connection. No. <laughs> But the imagine that we were attending a training. <laughs> See, because and I actually was facilitating that training. But, you know, I try to learn and train just as much as everyone else. We need it. We need it. OK, go ahead. I'm still okay. wondering well, what you're going to say. Well, the, the way that we started this out and we were actually this was after the training or a little bit more. And we we're sitting around uh, actually uh, having a glass of wine, you know, uh, passing the beer test there. 
And before we did anything at all, Carla started it off and she went around the table and said, hey, you guys haven't hung out before. Let me go around and I'm going to introduce who you are. And, and she, she talked about me and talked about my time in the military. And after she talked about me, I'm like, holy cow, who are you talking to? I want to meet this guy. He sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's because what you do, you don't think it's so cool, but everybody is super cool in, in their own right, usually, and have done some amazing things. And the last person who wants to say it is the person that you asked to do the introduction to. And, and she went around the table and each person it, it just now it was a good group of guys and well well I say that now but and why do I believe that because Carla told me <laughs> Carla had that influence that connection but she sat there and said oh this guy uh, he started designing websites for companies when he was 13 years old and, oh by the way this this gentleman was old enough that was in the dawn of websites and and he was contacting he contacted a ski company out of the blue and told them hey you need to make, do this on your website it'll make it better and they hired the guy they didn't know he was 13 years old <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one huh yeah well, that's and, awesome it but, is so it's just everybody and you were able to build that authority of yours by your connection and that is a true power that somebody can have to get influence over a team yeah and it's super cool i mean i know it's easy for me and i really enjoy people and and everybody is different however that skill if you can use it is not only uh, an amazing, powerful skill to build authority. Just the trust comes with that authority as well. And when people know, you know, it's the no like and trust piece. And if you're interested in others, right, then it, uh, they find you interesting. So that's awesome. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up on that last one. That was really super cool. I'm, I can't believe that there's actual training in the military that talks about <laughs> connection authority. That's awesome. Yep. I, I love it. And again, those two books, How to Be a Power Connector and Introvert's Edge are both really great books on how to do that, especially if you are, I'm obviously an extrovert, um, but if you are not, because you can still um, build your network and your authority when you're not you know, as, as extroverted. I'm, I'm going to try my hand at that connection in the introduction uh, very briefly. Sure. Uh, talked about Judy Robinette. Uh, she's an outstanding author and a uh, bestseller and everything else. Judy started out, she grew up, and I think she still is to this day in a town in rural Montana, a town of 300 people. Oh, no, that's where she grew up. She, yeah. she lives in, uh, well, between Idaho and really she was in Utah in Salt Lake. But, okay. yeah, she her hometown was... <laughs> <laughs> was the hometown of Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> what a great story that is. That's funny. Yep, exactly. And uh, she didn't launch her first company. I don't think and she was like 40. She opened a restaurant and it almost went under. And it's a great story. It's actually how she starts out her book. So, well, Kevin, this was so awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much for bringing your brilliance here on the podcast today with How to Lead Like a Boss. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.